Desmond Tutu once said, do your bit of good where you are. It's those bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Haley here, and you're listening to the Bits of Good podcast. We talk about the statistics all the time, and sometimes it's like, uh, but what about the solutions? The voice you just heard was my friend Ebony Garnett. I was really excited to have Ebony on an episode because she truly embodies what Bits of Good is all about. It's about doing what you can where you are. At the end of the day, everything we do, everything we create, everything we build is an opportunity for advocacy and activism. You don't have to work for a nonprofit. You don't have to sell all of your things. You can make a difference simply by doing what you're passionate about. Ebony realized this over the past couple of years and wanted to fight against the injustices against black women where she is using the calling, passion, and incredible talents that she has. I'll let her tell us more about what it is exactly that she does and why she chose to do it. I am a birth and postpartum doula here in Columbia, South Carolina. I own my own business called Born With Purpose Birth Services. And the reason why I got into birth work is because of the statistics. Um, So the statistics for Black women in childbirth and postpartum um, is that they are three to four times more likely to die across America than white women. Now, if you go to New York, it's 12 times. Um, In different states, it's higher. So the average is three to four times across America, um, which is a very devastating statistics. And that's for women in the hospitals. And so, yeah, so I wanted to do what I could to combat injustice in the birth world. During COVID, a bunch of my friends got pregnant and I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about this sometime. I've been reading about it. I just felt a call to do something that would benefit and push lightness in the dark world and fight against the injustice of Black women being killed and even morbidity. So morbidity is disease and trauma afterwards. So I just wanted to do what I can to help women have a successful birth experience, um, do my part to advocate for them, um, to fight for them in the hospitals, to make sure their voices are heard, and ultimately just to make sure that we're living and having a normal birth, a normal birth that's not traumatic and wrapped up in trauma. What is the process for you like from going into a situation, you know, meeting that person to the end of that that process? The care that I provide first is a consultation, 30 minutes free. We just talk about some things that are going on um, with their pregnancy. I talk about more about me, what I offer. We go through, you know, my specific package. Not everybody offers the same thing. And for a typical doula, you're going to spend about anywhere between 500 to 1,500 for a doula. And so we talk about that, what their expectations are, because everyone doesn't have the same expectations for a doula. Some people I have consultations with, they don't even know what a doula is. They're just intrigued and want to know more. Once I'm hired, I will meet with them. We're talking about breastfeeding, um, if that's something they're interested in. We're talking about our birth plan. We're talking about exactly what you, if you are choosing a hospital birth, we're talking about what you need to be, you need to be interviewing your doctors. You need to be asking them lots of questions. I tell my clients, do not leave 
an appointment without having full clarity of what's going on and your questions answered to make sure that they're a good fit for you. So for instance, if you ask them, do they do delayed court clamping? And they say, no, we don't really do that. It's not really something that's important. And that's important to you. Then you need to look elsewhere and make sure you have what's in on your priority list. Make sure that is conducive of, of where you're going to birth. Because not everybody has the same policy. Not everybody finds the same things important. So I give them a whole bunch of questions that they need to be asking. I really drill that in. So we talk about comfort measures and exactly things that they need to be practicing to make sure they have a birth that is relaxed and they're breathing. And we just talk about exactly what they want. I do get into like mental space, like, are you, how are you coping? You know, are you journaling? If they have a spouse or partner, I'm getting into like, are y'all connecting well? Do you have any fears, any anxiety, any worries? And we drill into that. We go through affirmations, some mantras that mom can be saying throughout her pregnancy. And really once she get into labor and delivery, like this can, this will only last 30 seconds. I can do anything in 60 seconds or something like that. Or this is getting me closer to my baby. Every contraction is getting me closer to my baby. It's not pain. It's, it's tension or something like that. Affirmation so that they can get in the right mindset because a lot of labor is your mindset. So if you're freaking out and all of that, you're going to feel that more than if you were just relaxed and you would let the process, the normal bodily process occur. I give them exercises. I talk about nutrition. Nutrition is really important. And then with all of that, if there's any like need, like if they're breastfeeding, I tell them go to an education class, go to two or three, you know, if they are trying to have an unmedicated birth, tell them to go to a class, education class that is outside of the hospital that will teach them all they need to know. I do to, I do teach them some general things about labor and birth. I try to make sure they're prepared, but I really want them to go seek a childbirth education class that is tailored to what they want. So if they're looking to have an unmedicated birth, like I really drill down in like you need to go get educated. You and your partner, you and your support system need to go get educated because if you don't have a plan and you don't know what you're getting into, you'll walk into the hospital and you'll be in shambles because you don't really know what's going on and you'll you'll get anything that they request request of you. Or if they give you an intervention, you're like, yeah, sure. You know, if you don't know what that is, what the risks are, what the benefits are, um, things like that. And then we just really build a relationship. It's a lot of relationship building because it's a very intimate seeing like they can be very naked literally and figuratively with me because um that is it's a it's a big process it's a it's an intimate process so I definitely build relationships with them to check in I have three prenatal sessions and then labor once they go into labor I'm there the whole time I go on call about two weeks before the estimated due dates I like to drill in that it's an estimate. Um, it's just a date they gave them. Your baby's going to come when your baby wants to come. Um, so two weeks before I go on call and then I am on call, my phone is uh, available and on 24-7 until they deliver. So I'm with them. I meet them at their home. I meet them at the hospital, wherever they need me. And I'm just there supporting. I'm 
making sure they go pee, empty that bladder, making sure they're eating and drinking, making sure they have anything they want. They're changing positions every 30 minutes, things like that. And making sure like if anyone comes in the room, they know what what the deal is like this is their birth plan after labor and delivery I make sure if they're breastfeeding I make sure they get that initial breastfeeding started I make sure the lactation consultant knows that they need to come in the room if they go into the postpartum floor they need to come see my client Um, and then I leave and then I will do for my birth services I will do one more postpartum meeting just to review the birth make sure they've processed everything they had any questions that's that's how it goes (laughs) like listening to you talk about it it sounds like really, I mean, you're, you're creating, you're going through this process with them. So it's not like one like stagnant place, but you're creating this like dynamic safe space for them throughout yeah. this whole process of these stages of, of birth and, and giving birth. And that is probably even more important in this situation, considering historically there hasn't been the safe spaces. It's supposed to be the safe space, but whether it be racism or just practices and and something we talked about. And I had even mentioned to you that I would love for you to talk about this because we had a conversation and you were just telling me about how even uh, in doctors practices, it is so drilled in basically to do the opposite of creating safe spaces for black women. Yeah. So historically black women have been in, in OB gynecology, black women have been tortured to propel the medical system. I won't mention his name cause I don't remember it, but <laughs> the doctor, he performed surgeries and uh, instruments going inside of black women without anesthesia because he thought that black women don't feel as much pain as white women being forced into slavery and still surviving. I guess it was a miracle to him. And maybe he thought, hey, let me um, advance my medical knowledge by torturing um, Black women. And so that's where it started. And it has been perpetuated in the systems, like in the curriculum, it won't blatantly say like Black women are um, tougher or stronger, but it's the implication. The system was set up for black women not to be treated as how they equally as white women. So that's just how the system is set up. Um, And so the curriculum is the same. And so when we have doctors and, you know, labor and delivery nurses going through the curriculum, they're, they aren't taught to treat black women the same as white women. They aren't taught how to actually fight against their implicit bias, how to fight against racism. And so when when some clients are like, I really need a black, you know, OB or I need a I need a black practitioner. Yes, you do. And sometimes that can even be a concern because the depending on where the um, practitioner is, if they're in a hospital setting, they may have been taught, you know, to treat you in a certain way. They may have been taught to, uh, you know, ignore you and disregard you, or they may have uh, a supervisor who's white looking down and saying, hey, you know, this is how we do it at our hospital, you know, things like that. So it's not to say that if you have a black OB, like everything's going to go smoothly, they're still in a broken system. And so we have to you have to take that into account. Like, yes, it's good to have a Black practitioner. They can understand, they can empathize, but it's not always the case. And I think some of the solution is if for healthy individuals, um, no pathology, low risk, I think the solution is to 
have home births, have births that are in the safest place, maybe a birth center um, where you are cared for and not seen as the Black woman that doesn't have pain or the Black woman that's ignored, that you are truly cared for. And if that's something, if you have to go into the hospital, yes, do your research. Make sure you go to the one that is that aligns with your plan, with, you know, who you are as a person. I always tell people like interview, 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 interview tons. I know it's exhausting. I know it can be laborious, but you are going to have to advocate for yourself because you're getting ready to have to advocate for a baby. And so you want to set that up as best as you can beforehand, before you have to, you know, you don't want to have to fight when you're going through this big transition in your body. You don't want to have to you don't even want to have to say no. Like you want everything to be smooth the way you want it. Now, I will say things arise. Things do arise. Don't hold your birth plan with a closed hand. But if someone's blatantly being disrespectful and disregarding your wishes, you don't want to have to fight for that when you're in labor. You want to already know like, okay, this person doesn't align with this beforehand. The system is broken. The hospitals have a lot of work to do. It's not just adding some diversity in training classes or anything like that. It's like there really needs to be a destruction and built up of a new system that actually had Black women in mind. Black women are at the forefront. I mean, we're tired, but <laughs> like get our opinions, talk to us and have a better system so that we are cared for and that the statistics in America can change. And you're you're a part of that deconstruction. You're you started your your business. And I remember like just years ago, we were having a conversation and I don't, I don't remember when this was, but you were like, I don't know what's, what's next. You were working in so, uh, like a different job. And we were having mm-hmm. that conversation. You're like, I'm just trying to figure out what's next. And all of a sudden now, like years later, like we're talking about your own business, helping yeah. other people. Yeah, I would have never thought I'd be a doula. Like, I love and care for people, and I knew I wanted to serve people in a way. I knew that the cop reform was a big mantle that I wasn't, I wasn't equipped to be in that space. Politics aren't really my thing, but birth work and helping someone and loving someone and cherishing their family and their babies, that is something like I felt like I could. I could help with and I was I was ultimately called to and it, it had to be from the Lord because in my own desires I would have still been at my job it was if it was <laughs> if it was up to me but <laughs> God was like no <laughs> yeah it definitely I definitely never thought that I would be doing this but it's definitely activism it is actually political in some sense but it's definitely birth work as a Black woman is definitely activism and fighting against that darkness and injustice that's happening to our women every single day. And so how can anyone who's listening to this and listening to their, they're hearing your story about how you decided, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not super into politics. I'm not super into this. I don't want to do this, but I'm passionate about this. What would you say to them about doing their bits of good to join and, and fight against injustice and to even support you and in, in your mission and what you're doing? I think awareness is one, knowing what a doula is, talking to women about support, 
knowing that it, it's not a, that they don't have to be prideful, that they can accept support. Yeah, just bringing awareness to doulas and the fact that Black women are dying and even even our babies are, are being kidnapped, um, which is a whole nother topic for another day. <laughs> Look up medical kidnapping. Um, how can how can they support? I mean, just if you see different organizations in your area that are helping. Um, I know in Colombia we have a midwife, which is my friend who is she's going through student uh, training for a midwife. Let me find her cash app because if you're trying to put your money where your mouth is and use your fiscal privilege, you can cash app her to help her get through school because it's not free to go to school to be a midwife, but she heard the call of, yeah, there's, there's no black midwives here, none in, in, um, Columbia. Um, and so her cash app is S Allison 22. So that's S A L L I S O N 22. And that money would just support her going to school and getting an education as a midwife. And those are the ones that are on the grounds, in the homes, um, taking care of women. Um, so they're not in these hospital systems um, getting uh, treated maliciously. So you can follow me at Born With Purpose LLC on Instagram. And you can follow me on Facebook, Born With Purpose Birth Services LLC on Facebook too, if you want to learn more and share anything else you wanted to add be a good human <laughs> <laughs> that too yeah yeah to get connected with ebony and for that cash app information and also to learn more you can head to the description of this podcast episode or go to appivist.app slash podcast and head to the episode guide I want to end this episode with words from a song by Switchfoot. The song is The World You Want, and it says, You start to look like what you believe. You float through time like a stream. The waters of time are made up by you and I. If you change the world for you, you change it for me. What you say is your religion. How you say it is your religion. Who you love is your religion. How you love is your religion. All your science, your religion. All your hatred your religion. All your wars are your religion. Every breath is your religion. Is this the world you want? You're making it every day of your life. As always, thanks for listening and until next time.